Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher. And we are returning back to Contact in the Desert. Woohoo! 2017. The dustiest place you could possibly study aliens. It's very dusty. It really is. Oh, we talked about how many boogers we were getting. It was so boogery. That's what our noses do with the mucus and the hair. Oh, man. I kept having to go to the porta potties to pick my nose. Well, thank goodness that was all getting caught. True. I'm glad I have a nose. Well done, nose. Unlike some aliens. Some of them don't have noses in those pictures. Or very narrow slits. Yeah. They'd be good in the desert. Maybe that's why they like the desert. So we headed back for day two, and as we mentioned before, this was Saturday morning, May 20th. As we mentioned, it kept getting earlier every single day, so our panel this day began at 8.30. And it was the science of UFOs. Technology and the quantum field, because we've got to use the word quantum in here somewhere. Definitely. So the host was Clyde Lewis. Yeah, he's an American talk radio host and conspiracy theorist. And I know that he writes for a conspiracy magazine that I will later encounter that day. Host of Ground Zero. Yeah, we had encountered him earlier in a Q&A. He'd come up to ask a question at someone else's talk. And when he announced who he was and his booming radio voice, people clapped for him. A lot of booming radio voices happening at that conference. Yeah, you should have showed off your booming radio voice. I guess so. You should have gone up for Q&As and been like, I'm Ross from Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Because that's how I talk. (laughs) Uh, There was a guy, uh, Jimmy Church, who led some of the other panels, moderated them, and he would just purposely talk like this, or at least in my mind, he was just so focused on getting his voice to do this thing that... I couldn't... Exactly like that. I couldn't take seriously anything he was saying. (laughs) You could do that so well. Uh, That drives me crazy. Oh, I wish you had done that when you asked questions. (laughs) Ask a question like that. Wait, what question is uh, asked? Okay, ask me what I'm going to have for dinner. Carrie, what are you going to have for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does sound stupider that way, doesn't <laughs> right? it? Right, yeah. yeah. It's like I'm putting on a little show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the members of this panel were Michael Sala, who was the first person we yeah, saw at this Yeah, gave conference. us the talk about the Nordics and Antarctica. John D'Souza. Linda Moulton Howe. Linda Moulton Howe. Mike Barra, and then there was going to be Jacques Valle, but he wasn't there initially and then came Showed up partway later. through. Mm-hmm. All eminent folks within the UFO movement. Yes. I mean, you know that when Linda Moulton Howe is on a panel that this is a big deal. And we've already described her as typically the craziest person in any room. Yeah. But people will like make nods to how important she is. Like there was, Oh, yeah. There was she one is well-respected. Where... She's been doing this for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Decades. Someone interrupted her on one panel and then was immediately like, I can't believe I just interrupted Linda Moulton Howe. That was Jimmy Church. <laughs> I can't believe I I can't believe this. I just interrupted you. <laughs> Shut up, Jimmy. <sighs> okay, so we came a little bit late because this was an early thing and Ross well, knows it's kind of tough to get me up in the morning. <laughs> I think we learned pretty quickly that missing the beginning of one of these events is usually not detrimental. Usually it takes them a good 15 minutes just to get set up and really... Get introduced and get rolling, yeah. Yeah, we get our seats, which by the way, everyone has folding chairs, and so we've got our folding camping chairs. Yeah, the main venue seemed to be this amphitheater that would hold hundreds of people. It was a large amphitheater, and thankfully there's this giant shade structure above it. And yeah, we'd brought some camping chairs, and we set them up on the front right section And then you just leave them there for the weekend. So I'm kind of wishing we'd come the first day and found maybe a choicer spot. Yeah, and I felt like we were in sort of the fourth row. It's kind of hard to count rows, but somewhere around like the fourth row from Mm -hmm. the front, house right. So we walk in and they're talking about Catholics as we walk in. Yeah, Michael Sala is saying that uh, they would want to minister 
to the aliens if we made contact. That which, the Catholic Church would. Yeah, which is an interesting thought. I'd always kind of wondered that, like, would it so rock our religious foundations? Or would we just assume that our spiritual plan doesn't really apply to the aliens? Or would we try to evangelize to them like we do to people living on islands who can't escape us and our missionaries? Michael is saying this isn't just a mental exercise for the church. The church knows there are aliens and they have a plan. If the aliens come here, they will minister to them. But the Catholic Church knows that ETs are more evolved than humans, but less evolved than angels. So, mm, right. Right. So they're already, they already have this plan to try to convert ETs to Christianity. Can you imagine how obnoxious that would be? I know God didn't appear on your planet, but he still, <laughs> oh, he yeah, came here point. and he died for you. And here's our books telling you the story about and it. And we know we're dumber than you, but trust us, this happens. <laughs> but you need this to be saved. They would just so politely be listening along. Oh, uh-huh. Very nice. That's that's very nice. I'm sure that's all I'm true. I'm sure that's all true. <laughs> oh, did I just boy. turn off my translator for <laughs> the last 10 minutes? I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> yeah, it would be like a child explaining their invisible friends mm -hmm. to you. Oh, is that right? And what's her favorite color? <gasps> Purple. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So John D'Souza is on stage, which is very exciting. He's our one non-white speaker yeah. out of 51. I guess so, just from looking at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th this is all, I guess. But I've just noticed the lack of diversity among the UFO speakership community. Apparently, he was an investigating official of the U.S. government who maintained a top-secret security clearance during many years at one of the major three-letter agencies. And that's, <laughs> that's all you're going to learn about that. So... That could mean that he was a top-level official at the FBI. It could also mean that he was a janitor at the CIA. But for a long time, but for either a way. very long time. Is NSA one of the other top three-letter organizations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, what if it's like LAZ, the LA Zoo? That would be less impressive. DOJ, Department of Justice. Yeah, sure, or what? that's three letters. John's contention is that the government tries to overwhelm us with data. Mm -hmm. And yes. that they lie to us in many ways. And that's why we need experts like him and everyone on these panels. And that got a large round of applause from the audience. Yeah, there's some kernel of truth in what he's saying, that there's so much information out there now that it's hard to pick out what's true, especially the internet gives us so much access to information. That's how, fair. Yeah. How do you decide what's a good source and what's a bad source? I was like, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. But boy, it sure seems like we've come to different conclusions about mm -hmm. what's a good source and what's a bad source. But at, philosophically, I agree with you. At least we you. agree on the base principle there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was one of the first to tell us that the truth is out there and not the last. Definitely, there were a lot of X-Files-isms Mm -hmm. that were dropped throughout the weekend. So it was interesting. You still felt the influence of X-Files yeah. on the community. A lot of reference to pop culture in general. Absolutely. There was one guy walking around the conference one day that had a shirt and it had the famous Billy Meyer UFO photo. And instead of, I want to believe, it said underneath, I want to leave. Yeah, I've seen that before. That got a laugh from me. Very cute. I love that. So Clyde Lewis, the moderator, he's got kind of an interesting take on the whole disclosure thing because most of this crowd thinks disclosure is a good thing oh yeah his take is kind of disclosure is a distraction mm -hmm. because disclosure is us it's the ufo community we're already we're already disclosing we've got the information we're trying to get it out we don't need the government to do it for us exactly and so by waiting for them to do that we're just kind of putting the narrative back in their hands and why would we want to do that and i thought oh that's an interesting take i hadn't really heard before yeah this panel had a lot of really mixed viewpoints on the role of the media mm -hmm. mostly positive. Of course, whenever aliens or UFOs or UAPs get mentioned, they're very appreciative of that, the word getting out. So they were talking a lot about ancient aliens and how much good that has done. The show Ancient Aliens. Right, yes. History Channel. And then Clyde was praising Jimmy Kimmel, saying he'll jokingly ask politicians questions about UFOs but he's presenting serious information while making jokes. This is a thing I didn't know about. I might just be the odd man out, but apparently he interviewed Hillary Clinton about, mm -hmm. about oh, disclosure. Yeah. And Bill Clinton, and I think other politicians as well. He brings it up fairly regularly. Okay. On this particular panel, we have a few people who have worked with the media, and I see you smiling because I think you're about to tell one of our favorite stories about Linda Moulton Howe. Linda Moulton Howe. So she mentions that she spent 18 months working at CNN on a show called, I don't, I don't know if Earth it was a 
Earthbeat. show Earthbeat. Yeah, she was going to cover the Earthbeat, or maybe it was a show called Earthbeat. But anyways, they yeah, I think it was a show. They spent all this work getting it prepared, and then it went upstairs for funding, and someone put the kibosh on it, <gasps> which. Okay. Whoa, a show wasn't greenlit? Yeah, exactly. Okay, first of all, we all should know enough about Hollywood that most ideas never get to the finish line mm-hmm. and get mm-hmm. to various stages and- Like over 99% of them. And die along the way, right. But immediately she took that to mean they were trying to stop this from getting out. Oh, she said that clearly someone in CNN, a higher up, works for the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> And then she was she was saying that this goes back in media even to Walt Disney that uh-huh. he worked closely with the government and would help get their message out. But you can't have it both ways. You can't in one breath talk about how great it is the ancient aliens is the uh, right. phenomenon that it is and all these other shows that are doing such a great job at naturally disclosing. And she herself was saying that there has been a CIA program that gave information to Gene Roddenberry and like worked with him on his scripts for Star Trek uh, back in the original series. You can't be saying all of that at the same time as like, oh, well, then they put the kibosh on my CNN program. I mean, I guess you could say, well, this network's good and this network's bad. We've got good actors and bad actors. But the CIA was involved in both the kibosh and the promotion. It seemed like a way of having it both ways. Anytime things work out well, Uh that's the government helping you to get the word out. And every time it doesn't, that's also the government trying to stop you. It's like the football players who praise God. Exactly. It's a needless layer of explanation. You can just scrape off and nothing's different. (laughs) We heard about John Glenn when left alone talking about things that he had seen but that he was told not to talk about as an astronaut. Uh, We also learned, this was interesting, we learned that there are good ETs and bad ETs. Yes, a philosophy that, as we all know, Carrie espouses as more rational Sure, there being all good ETs. That makes sense if you have all these different species of ETs that some of them are bad. And they refer to those like the ones from the alien movies as feral ETs. Oh, see, I wouldn't think they'd be divided by species, though. You wouldn't have whole species of bad ETs and whole species of good ETs. That's what they thought. Oh, see, now I'm back to that being irrational. I would just think there are some, within each species, there's going to be some good and some bad, just like humans. Depends on the species. I mean, maybe they're not at the same kind of cultural level and they're just a a population of cats, essentially, or something, but they happen to be aliens. Exactly, but there aren't all good cats or all bad cats. All cats cats are evil. They're built to kill. What? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Where's my cat? (laughs) She's probably sneaking up on me right now. Anyways, that was the idea, is that you have whole species that are essentially just like mindless killing machines or somehow otherwise bent. I would break down within a species that you would have good and bad as well. Yeah, well. I think that's what we should expect if there's thousands of species of aliens. I think there would be good individuals and bad individuals. Wholly good and wholly bad species. No, not on board. I think they should have me on this panel. And I'll just I'll just rank everything. Uh, rational, not rational. Uh, halfway. And Carrie I'll just be will the final arbiter of share her experience from Earth and apply it to yeah. the unknown <laughs> exactly. species from the galaxy. And then everyone's microphone will dim or get louder according to whether I think what they said is rational or irrational until some just become completely silent and they don't get to talk. Sounds almost like the effect that Linda Moulton Howe has on a panel. I will be the new Linda Moulton Howe. Great. So at this point, I had to go because I had a headache and I wanted to go get some coffee, which often cures my headaches. Sure, and to get some food. Get some food, get some coffee. So I ran off to get $6 cold brew. I was thinking as they were all talking about this that this mindset is something that in the right situation we would really need. Like all of them were willing to stand up against the government and speak out. And I was thinking like, well, this is really... Yeah, go to the Women's March, guys. Positive behavior, (laughs) but it's being harnessed for... All of these things that probably aren't true. Uh huh. <laughs> so, yeah, just a thought I had while I was yeah, hearing yeah. all of this. You would have liked this. We heard from John D'Souza about a dog walker's rebellion in Russia. <gasps> Oh, I like it already. Yeah, they had been told exactly when they needed to watch a certain news program, and they were all being monitored, all of their communication platforms, but no one could stop them at 6 p.m. every day when that news program was going on from walking their dogs outside and meeting to talk. Ah. Nobody monitored that. Ah, and that's when Jacques Vallée arrived, and he's an investigator who apparently the French investigator in Close Encounters was based on, so that's cool. And he started talking about ancient 
ancient UFOs being very similar to modern UFOs. He says there haven't been any giant technology leaps in the aliens UFOs between Hmm, ancient days and now. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it's only been what 4,000 years mm-hmm. he also warned us that there's no such thing as the government quote unquote that's uniformly doing anything trying to promote this message or block it he said that they're you know like 15 to 20 different agencies they operate independently and they're trying to figure it out themselves like they don't fully understand it all we hear so many inconsistent things from everybody right. and it seems to bother no one right. like I always look around like all so your are reactions we buying this one or the one from before yeah and yeah. everybody's just like uh-huh uh-huh, uh-huh. That's uh-huh. great. great. So I, I thought that was actually pretty sober judgment there. He had an interesting point about how the youth today don't find an exciting career in UFOs or in studying UFOs. <laughs> which tragic. I thought, But yeah, they want to go out and create like their next startup or Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you say that, yeah, that's a good thing, right? But he said We're that- We're always trying to find medical cures. God. <laughs> what he did recommend as being like the next really potent area of research, the, the physical aspects of ufology. Implants, for example, he said, you know, some don't look interesting. They just look like bent wires and stuff, but there are some that are more complex and interesting. And then he also mentioned that crashes should be another area for research. Ejecta, that was his third category, things that get shot off from spaceships, bursts of magnesium or alloys that show up like that thing that we saw at Arkansas. That that was like exactly the sort of thing he was describing. So we should spend more time trying to research those. So while you were listening to this, I was off buying my coffee and also getting a birthday present for me old friend John Ronson. Who you may remember from our voice polygraph episode. Yes, you may remember that he passed the test that asked him if he had put anything up his butt. He said no, he passed. Ross was asked whether Satan is his constant lord and companion. I said no. He said no and failed. (laughs) I was lying, apparently. Actually, now, if we have gained UFO listeners, they probably now are like... (gasps) Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah, they're not big fans of Satan. Yeah, they're really quite afeard of Luciferians. But anyway, the point is, I went to get a birthday present for John, whose birthday is in May. I walk by this table for a conspiracy magazine called Paranoia magazine. How on the nose is that? Yeah, love it. I talked to the guy. He's really, really super sweet. And they have a magazine about Stanley Kubrick. And John's a big fan of Stanley Kubrick, did a documentary about Stanley Kubrick's boxes. Mm, famous for faking the moon landing. Uh, right. Stanley. And so I said, oh, how much for this Stanley Kubrick one? And uh, it was 10 bucks. And I was like, here's my card. And then I thought, I bet this guy knows who John Ronson is. Hey, do you know who John Ronson is? And he said, oh, yeah, 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 of course. And I said, I'm getting this for him. And he was like, this is for Ronson? Yeah. He was like, oh, no, 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 no. And he throws my card down. Yeah, when you're telling me this story, I'm instantly thinking like, oh, he hates John Ronson. I know, exactly. I thought, oh, shit. Like, I just, <laughs> This is going to oh, get no. awkward now. Like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to buy this. Why did I say this? Yeah, it's actually for me. <laughs> yeah, because John's positions are, I think, very even-handed, but end up on the sort of critical side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, no. He said, John's money's no good here. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, it's a gift. It's a gift for John. And he's like, his book, The Men Who Stare at Goats, might be my favorite book. Take anything you want for him. It's a gift. Just, can I please write a note for him? Oh, that's so like, sweet. Yeah, it was so nice. So we ended up writing him a note. What an awesome guy. I know. Yeah, meanwhile, I was also learning there was a popular UFO case. I think they're referring to the Aztec UFO case. This was the first I'd actually heard of it. Apparently, Aztec is another city in New Mexico. Uh, this is in a South American UFO. And there was another crash report, but then it was debunked early on and people haven't talked about it for years, but there are some researchers who have brought it back. So I, I'm pretty sure it was that case that the panel was talking about and saying that the people who had originally reported on it had later recanted to the men in black. So I just thought that was funny. That's another available explanation when people say like, oh yeah, we actually faked this or we never actually saw anything. That's just them being right. coerced by the men in black. Right. So about here, I come back and as I arrive, Linda Bolton Howe is saying that the devil is real and Battlestar Galactica is real. Mm-hmm. Two thoughts, same sentence. Linda Bolton Howe, everybody. <laughs> oh, man. 
And we humans have souls, but some of the evil entities out there don't. Yeah, she was. Okay, sure. Yeah, everyone applauds. Yeah, so there you go. Those are like, you know, your feral evil aliens. She mentioned that there's another race of aliens. She would throw out races of aliens like no one's business. I would try to write them down as quickly as I could. Woman has a mind for dates and names. No kidding. Details. Yeah, she she holds a lot in that head of hers. The Ebens. You never know what'll come out of her face. (laughs) Right. The Ebens were the alien race she was mentioning there. They have pear shaped heads. They come from Zeta Reticuli, I have learned since, and they are also afraid of devils. Yep, this is about the point where my brain's like... The more you know. (laughs) The less you know. (laughs) Now, at this point, someone tells us, you know, a lot of this information is just available on the FBI's website. You can go... yeah. Yeah, you can go to vault.fbi.gov and see all these documents. And click on unexplained. Yes, click on unexplained phenomena and you can see all this. I mean, like, they've been forced to disclose it. And there's a lot of nonsense there that's been put just to confuse us. But if you... Do this data flooding. If you really mine through that mm-hmm. and look through, you're going to find some really meaty material, including information on cattle, cattle mutilations. Mutilation. We saw some pictures of cattle mutilations this weekend. And um, Carrie immediately like, rolled her eyes and looked over at me like, oh, I've seen this. <laughs> I've seen this many times. What was it a picture of? It looked to me like an animal who's been attacked by a predator, another animal. So I used to work at a farm sanctuary and this would happen sometimes. It was very sad when it did. It happened about once a year. A sheep or a small cow would be attacked usually by a coyote or a wolf. And you find them out in the field and everything's gone except for kind of their head area and their ribs. And, you know, all the fleshy, soft parts are gone first until they're scared off by the herd. All the good eats for the coyotes. Yep. The amount that's gone is kind of determined by how many other animals were there to scare off the attacker. That's exactly what it looked like to me. (laughs) Yep. And what that picture did not look like to me was precision surgery. (laughs) At a microscopic (laughs) level. No, this was a mutilated animal that had been eaten. Mm -hmm. And that's what the photos always look like. But they say like, oh, the organs were removed perfectly. And there's like a surgeon did it. And there's no blood. Look at the photo. There's blood. Yep. Linda Moulton Howe was going on at length about how advanced this technology is. Not evidenced by the photo they chose to show. So I went to vault.fbi.gov and then cattle mutilation. There are a few pages about it Mm -hmm. and a couple pictures. And then their analysis of it. And guess what it says, Ross? Wild animals. Yep. It says probably eaten by a predator that they were looked at by like the local vet. Well, looks like a possum ate this one. Wolf or whatever ate this one. Well, guess what? Predator was an alien and a feral alien. (laughs) So there you go. Oh, there you go. Mike Barra was talking something about electrogravitics. He was saying that uh, he doesn't believe the government when they tell him the water's safe to drink. So why sure. should I believe them about anything else? And there were all these positive murmurs from the audience like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I sure filter my water. No fluoride for me. My teeth are falling out of my head. <laughs> Linda said something great. She said, well, I've spoken with someone who says there's archaeology in Antarctica. And everyone's like, ooh. And I wrote down, oh, wow, someone. <laughs> oh, she had very elaborate thoughts on Antarctica. I hope that wasn't all just from someone. This kept happening, though, especially with her, but with other people, too, where stories would start with, well, I just met someone last night. Can't tell you who, but they once had clearance from a top secret agency. Mm-hmm. Can't tell you which. Oh, and I can't tell told- you how many times I've heard that from UFO experts. <laughs> yeah. And they told me something. Can't tell you what. But it is going to change the face of a certain subject. Can't tell you which one. But it will really change the way you think about something that has to do with can't tell you exactly what. Oh, whoa. I wish that weren't. I can't wait. I wish that weren't parody, but that's like, <laughs> pretty accurate to what you hear every panel. Another thing I learned from Mike Barra is that we are probably special, like the Bible teaches us, and that the aliens definitely want something that we have that they need. And that's why they're coming here. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know if it was this panel or another, but I guess Zechariah Sitchin, that theorist who had written about ancient Sumerian gods being aliens, he had thought that they came here to harvest gold. And ah. So one of the panels, either this one or another one, kind of threw that idea aside, said, okay, he was wrong about some things. Linda also said, if they're removing bodies and artifacts in Antarctica, why? And I'm thinking, (laughs) yeah, why? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Good question, Linda Moulton Howe. Well done. (laughs) 
Clyde Lewis summed it all up by letting us know that the truth is out there, but it's also... The truth is out there. But it's also... But it's also... In you. I can't do it as well because I'm a girl. The truth is out there, but it's also in you. (laughs) This is really good, Ross. (laughs) Thanks. I don't use it because I'm not a douche. (laughs) (laughs) But it was this very inspiring message where he told us that we all need to share this with our neighbors. And that's going to be our job to spread this around because that's the true disclosure and that we need to do this in a non-militant way, which I thought was nice. Good. I'm glad they're not being militarized. Mm -hmm. Or think they aren't. And that was it for that panel. You stuck around in the amphitheater. Oh, but wait. At the very end of the panel, a Canadian stood up and shouted her thanks. That's right. Yeah. What did she say? I could barely hear her because she didn't have a microphone or anything. This would happen every now and then. One rogue audience member would get up and proclaim something. Yeah. She stood up. We're both doing this here in your apartment while recording. Our hands are outstretched and uplift. Her hands are out like Jesus. And Uh she shouts out and says, I just want to thank you from this Canadian to you for putting yourself in harm's way and doing this work that I know is so dangerous. Thank you for giving this to the world. Something like that. They always handled it really well, too. Yeah. Oh, thank you. you. Well, thank you for saying that. That's very nice. Yeah. And so then we were done with that panel. You stuck around in the amphitheater. I wanted to go check out Stephen Greer's film, Unacknowledged, which was showing up in the sanctuary. I'll talk about Stephen Greer in just a bit. But I I went to watch the beginning of the film. It's now on iTunes if you want to see Unacknowledged. Apparently, it's beating the Richard Gere film that was released at the same time. Proud. Proud of many things about himself. And uh, he wasn't there for the film screening. So I went and listened to that for a while. But I was texting Carrie and said, "Uh, you know what? I don't need to see this. I can watch it later. I'm going to come join you. And you were listening to... Oh, boy. I would love to tell you. But first, I want to tell you about a Max Fun show I love. Oh, which one? This one. What the f*** is an interview? I mean, I do not know. That was Oscar-winning filmmaker Errol Morris. I'm Jesse Thorne, host of NPR's Bullseye. Allow me to introduce The Turnaround, a new podcast series produced by MaximumFun.org and presented with the Columbia Journalism Review. Join me as I sit down with some of our greatest living interviewers to ask them about interviewing and why and how they do what they do. We'll go deep with some of the biggest names in media, people like Larry King, Katie Couric, Audie Cornish, will be among friends on The Turnaround. Two episodes a week, all summer. Subscribe now and tell somebody. You know, we also have a Jumbotron today, Ross. Jumbotron. Jimmy Church. <laughs> From Jimmy, Jimmy Church. Jumbotron. Jumbotron. <laughs> <laughs> this one is near and dear to my heart because it's to a couple of my friends from a bunch of my other friends. Awesome. Your friends just got married? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So congratulations, Liz and Kyle, on your recent nuptials from all your friends at Camp Quest West. Aw. They say they missed you this summer and they're looking forward to seeing you again next year. It's very true. We all did miss Liz. That's great. So when did they get married? Just last month. Wow. Yeah. They were out celebrating being married. That's fair. Mm -hmm. You can miss camp for that, but just this one time, you guys. Expect to see you back next time. But you know what else is also great? David Wilcock. David Wilcock. (laughs) Oh my God, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Now you've reminded me that you did know (laughs) about David Wilcock, even though this fact keeps leaving my mind. The only reason I knew about him was because when I went to the Brazzo live event in Los Angeles, I was sitting next to that woman and she had told me about the cabal and the secret government and all these things going on. I was like, whoa, whoa, you're giving me so much new information. So she told me to go to Gaia.com, read up there. And she said, I need to watch the YouTube interview between David Wilcock. And I can't remember the other gentleman's name now, but I did watch it. It was three hours of nonsense. Did you watch the whole thing? I did. It was awful. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I left it playing and then Uh I started doing other things. I was like, okay, I'm not giving this my full attention. Uh-huh. But yes, they droned on behind me doing my daily work for three hours. Okay. Do you know who David Wilcock claims to be? That I do not know. Okay. I'm about to rock your world, Ross. Oh no. Is he someone like reincarnated? Uh-huh. <gasps> I didn't know this until I got home and looked him up. Okay. Do you want to take a guess? All right. Let me think. Okay. I'll give you some hints. And everyone else at home can it, play along. It's not and guess Jesus. Jesus you. is too easy. Is it- that a guess? <laughs> Is it Jesus? No. Okay, no. All right. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you give you hints as we go. Okay. okay. It's a famous psychic. 
Mm. Edgar Casey. Yes. <laughs> One guess. Okay. Oh, maybe that it was too spot on. <laughs> yes, he claims to be. Oh wow. The reincarnated Edgar Casey. Cool. Yes. Cool, man. And in one of his talks, he shows you him side by side with Edgar Casey because he looks kind of vaguely like him. And then like his mother side by side with Edgar Casey's mother. And then his best friend side by side with like a random oh, friend wow. of Edgar Casey. And like just endless photos of people he knows versus people Edgar Casey knew. That mm-hmm. somehow these physical features are carried. Yeah. The closest one is uh, wow. his, one of his female friends and one of Edgar Casey's female friends. Whoa. Yeah, I know. Whoa, man. Okay. I now. can't tell you how impressed I am. <laughs> yeah, that could mean two things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he also predicted that the world would graduate on December 21st, 2012. He thought we would graduate to the fourth density and achieve greater unity. Now, you might be thinking. My brain shut off part through that. What does that mean, Carrie? Lo- it loaded up those words in the queue and it was like, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to go back to them and try to make sense of them. And then, yeah, it lost them. It was like, well, I know what each of these words means separately, but together. Did it make any sense or, or was I right to just? No, you were pretty much right. Okay. I'll say it again, though. He predicted that the world would graduate on December 21st, 2012 to the fourth density and achieve greater unity. Okay, all right. I, got- I mean, I think basically he was predicting the world would end. Yeah, but- so he had a failed prediction. Oh, yeah, for sure. Nothing happened He that did day. reference that when I got back. Yeah, yes. and he said, okay, so maybe it wasn't in 2012 like we thought, but it's right. still happening soon. He thought something enormous would happen then, and I think he was building in a little plausible deniability in case it wasn't something enormous. This but is- now realizes nothing at all happened. This is a big deal, too. It's like their second coming. Yeah. It's exactly like the second coming. So what's going to happen is there's going to be this big solar event and we're going to get hit with all this radiation and it's going to give us ascension bodies. Nothing happened, man. Nothing happened, but it's happening soon. He also says that he gets messages while in trances. He gets direct messages from the source. And if you go to his website, divinecosmos.com, you can see his messages. Now, to his credit, he keeps up his messages about 2012 on the website. He's like, hey, this is what I said. I'm not going to remove it. This is what I said about 2012. Oh, that's good. I wanted to go back and watch some of his 2012 videos to see what he was saying. The videos I did have to go to YouTube to find. Maybe they're on the website, too, and I couldn't find them. Okay, but yeah. But but at least the writing is still there. It seems like his YouTube channel is like his primary means of getting It wasn't his, though. I had to find some Oh, okay. Gotcha. But to his credit, there's like a little disclaimer that's like, I'm leaving this as it was. This is what I said. I'll give you a thumbs up for that, David Wilcock. All right. So his talk is about the downfall of the cabal. Dun, 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 dun. When I got back, he was talking about how the government is now upset with the cabal. Well, let me tell you what happened before he got there. Yeah, yeah, tell me. So he's this relatively handsome young blonde man. I think he said at one point that he was 42. He's wearing this like outdoorsman vest. I expected him immediately. Oh, this guy's going to have an Australian accent. And then he didn't. And it was You're right. He was dressed a little like Steve Irwin or something. Mm -hmm. So right out of the gate, he tells us Pizzagate is real. Like the first thing. Wow. That got like a real audience reaction when he talked about Pizzagate later on. Like, yeah. they were all Pizzagaters. They're all into Pizzagate. Yeah, it's like nearly the first thing he said. He only had an hour and a half. Usually he has <sighs> two hours, but he'll try to make this fit. I don't understand how people like him and Alex Jones can fill like three hours oh of talk God, a totally day. Oh my totally could have. There's no way you can spend the remainder of your day getting enough information to usefully disseminate three hours of content. Yeah, but their brains work differently from ours. They just keep talking. They're like the CNN scroll or something. <laughs> He's one of those people who just immediately starts spouting off four or five theories at the same time, and they connect in his head somehow, mm-hmm. but it sure doesn't feel like they connect out here in the world. Clearly, he's developed a vocabulary that this audience are intimately familiar with. Right. But yeah, to the outsider, we're just hearing a lot of disconnected thoughts. So Pizzagate is real. The Super Bowl halftime show has Luciferian subliminal messages. That's in one thought. Oh, wow. Those were together. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him saying something about a Clinton aide joking about sacrificing a chicken to Moloch. And that was in the same breath with a mention of Pizzagate and how disturbing that is. So this idea of the cabal. So the cabal is this religious entity that controls everything around us. Is it the Catholic Church? 
No, oh. it's this own special religion that is so powerful and has apparently this very complicated theology. He was like, you couldn't even begin to understand it. Yes, He's it's probably got, right. <laughs> right. Yes, it has some occultish symbols, but when they put occult symbols in the halftime show and stuff, that's actually to distract you because that'll make you think of like the Masons and the Illuminati but that's old school. They're way deeper and beyond that now. So that's actually just to make you think that you're on the right track, but you're really not because you're looking at me like this is confusing. But yeah, it's no, I'm clear. just letting it wash over me. <laughs> clear as glass i don't know why <laughs> but actually it's way more complicated so so really no matter what happens whether there are symbols or aren't or if they are the wrong kind of symbols we have an explanation right. for it that supports the existence of the cabal correct is that how he presents it okay yeah more or less <laughs> i don't know if he actually says i'm a christian but the impression i get is that like the bible is the lens through which he sees the world man keeps, i would not have gotten that from, i know from him. he keeps mentioning the bible and then he'll say other religions are also going for the same goals he kind okay. of nods his cap toward that that would be an ecumenical matter but he does the same kind of thing that eric van Doniken does where the most important symbols to him are in the bible and mm. right those with his UFO theology. Okay. So England's success came from black magic, Ross. Sure, I believe that. Oh, also, he had two public safety officers behind him on stage, a male oh, officer yeah. and a female officer, both with guns. And he points them out and he's like, my life is at stake by just doing this talk. Yes. That's why I have these armed guards here. You don't know the threats that I get. I remember him talking about that. Regarding the Jesus thing. I'm sorry I'm jumping around, but he jumped around. This is how it was. Um, He says, Jesus arrived arrived when he did because he was responding to the birth of the cabal in Europe. What? Yes. Oh, isn't that interesting? We're all just nodding. Oh, right. Of and, course. And yet he didn't say anything about that. No. He didn't go there. No. He didn't stop it. No. Good job, Jesus. This is literally the next thought I'm able to catch in my notes. If you live selflessly for exactly 13 years, you will be beamed directly to heaven. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> what it's like to listen to a David Wilcock talk. <laughs> I'm going to start living selflessly right now. Yeah, he said that Buddha taught this, but a lot of people have just missed it. If you're able to live selflessly, and he's like, even I don't. I mean, like, come on, man. Sometimes I screw up. I haven't been able to get that 13 years down. I'm not saying I haven't been close. But <laughs> Oh yeah, my, what a gotta, thing he would say. <laughs> but you gotta. This guy is so narcissistic. You gotta live for 13 whole years. So, you know, people often wonder why the government is okay with nuclear war. Uh, not to disrupt you here, but I was just wondering, why is the government okay with nuclear war? <laughs> it's just something I wonder a lot. Yeah, no, I know. I get you. A lot of people wonder that. You know, they're going about their daily lives and they're mm -hmm. like, huh, why would that be? Well, I get you, because you're thinking nuclear war would destroy them, too. They're human beings. Right. Nuclear war would kill us all. Just like chemtrails are breathed by everybody. Uh-huh. Good point. But the government has built beautiful homes for themselves underground and in space, and they've colonized whole beautiful cities on other planets, so they will just go there once they've destroyed our biosphere. Yes. <laughs> Now, okay, here's where I think we get to his actual point. I think this is the thing that he sat down and was like, yeah, 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 this could be a talk. Oh, okay. Okay. He made a point. That's good. Yeah, we'll call this a point. Because certainly everything I saw of his was just rambling about from one place to the next. Now, I'm not saying this is a point like we could attribute any evidence to this. Was it tied to the title of the lecture? Yes, it's about the cabal. Oh, okay, cool. I don't know if it's tied to the downfall of the cabal, but it's at least about the cabal. Okay. Most people think of the cabal as this entity that runs everything and we just have to fight it as individuals because it has control of everything. But mm -hmm. the cabal is actually just bits and pieces of our Department of Defense and our Department of Justice and so on. So there are factions within the government that are fighting the cabal. Okay, yes. So there's actually this sort of civil war within mm. all of our government. Okay, that might be where I came in. Good guys and bad guys. Yeah, because he was talking about how much of the government is now upset with the cabal. But even if that's the case, the government could easily get the word out and just say Yeah, this. just tell us. So why Let do us know so we can support the good guys. So why do we need this one guy wearing adventurer's clothing? <laughs> 
to <laughs> this one guy looks like he works at the jungle cruise <laughs> to yeah you're right he really did fire <laughs> the, off the rounds back side of water <laughs> the hippos ears are wiggling pow 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 why why does he need to be the one to reveal this to us if the government agrees yeah get a single person from the government on this panel just sean spicer like, he'll say oh, shit, anything okay. get trump right yeah yeah just trump will just spout his mouth off yeah just tell trump like definitely do not say this to anyone <laughs> And there you go. You've got your disclosure. It'll be tweeted. Speaking of Pizzagate, I looked that up because I had just heard it was discredited and I knew what it was basically about. Oh, I followed Pizzagate. But we had a listener, a couple listeners, they got all mad at us for overlooking this Mm -hmm. child prostitution, pornography, what have you, ring. Which would be a grave sin if there were any, any possibility of this being true. If there was any hint of scandal, Carrie would be right on that. There's nothing there. I read up a lot after getting those comments from the listeners. I was like, okay, I just want to make sure I fully understand this issue. There is nothing there. Yeah, there's really no there there. It is completely made up. Yep. 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 Okay. Yeah, so actually most of the Department of Defense is fighting a civil war with the cabal. Most of them. So the cabal is a small part of the Department of Defense. Yeah. Okay, what is this war? What are they are they killing? It's World War Three, Ross. <laughs> is that what he said? Yeah, it's are more th- significant than the Civil War. It is World War Three. You can't throw out phrases like that, like it's worse than the Civil War. What does that mean? In death count? Yeah. Where where are these people who are dying? And also if they're a minority and everyone knows who they are, can't you just be like, You are now out of the army? There's so many questions coming to mind. Yeah, at least explain why you can't do that. That at least needs explaining. I'm not saying that there isn't some way around this, but at least explain why they can't do that. Yeah, it feels like I'm just identifying plot holes in a really bad movie. Yeah. So then he says, now, okay, I know know you're probably thinking like, well, we need to like fight this hands on, but does this mean that you're any less brave if you're a keyboard warrior? No! (laughs) Oh, okay, great. Did that get a big applause? Actually, I don't think it did. Oh, okay. (laughs) Just if if he's really taking this seriously, then come on, you can't fight that all from your keyboard not that i mean i do believe in information dissemination that's a big deal sure. but at some point someone's got to do more than that yeah if the stakes are truly so high right as he's describing captain america Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the story of HYDRA, all true. Yeah, this was the same talk where we learned that Iron Man 3 and Captain America are- Oh, yeah. Batteries not included. True story. Remember that That's the one about the robot? Yeah, that's the 80s movie about the little tiny robot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) True story. What does he even mean when he says that's true? (laughs) Yeah, I remember he mentioned that the DOD made Iron Man 3 and Captain America. No, they didn't. I work for Disney. That's not how movies get made. There are directors. There are scripts that go through revisions. Were any of those Disney movies? Yeah, both of them. (laughs) You should check on that. I'll just ask around. Did the DOD actually make this? Or did you make it the way you make every other movie? Hoping to earn money from people buying tickets because it's entertaining, not because it's real, because Iron Man 3 is not real. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then we learn that the Draco reptilians are real. Okay. Yeah, we've learned that by now. So sure. Yeah. This is how it sunk in for me that I realized like, oh my gosh, everyone here really believes this thing about the reptilians. Cool. Yeah. Whenever reptilians got mentioned, I just instinctively, I just kind of look around. I I pan the rest of the faces to, you know, get some nods of like, you're my peeps, right? Like, it's talking about reptilians right Right. like oh no okay it's impossible for mammals to mate with reptiles right okay you agree with that all right okay never mind i'm gonna face i can't even mate with a chimp right everybody right right much less a reptile right anybody genetics right basic genetics nope nope okay that's that's too bad righty right yeah are reptilians birthed or hatched i'm guessing hatched but if they're halfway which one is it also 86 percent of congress are members of nambla okay that's a major accusation now nambla in case anyone doesn't know is the north america man boy love association and it's just what it sounds like. Why are they all in NAMBLA? Why? Because they're all pedos. We just happen QED. to elect pedos, or do they only run against yeah. other people who are also members of NAMBLA? How far down does this go? Can they not get oh, on that's the- That's a good question. Can yeah, they... when they get in Congress, is that when they become pedos? Uh, what it, happens Is that here? like on the list of requirements to run for- mm, Yeah, when does this happen? For that's Congress? That's a good question. It's kind of like the Pope Antichrist situation. At what point do you become- Initiated. Evil? Yeah. Yeah, when is your OT3? Like- 
like, hey, <laughs> come in this room. Here's your briefcase. All right, you get to open this up and read this. Hey, now you know you're a pedophile. Right. Uh, and so, then 14% accidentally get in and are like, what? And then do you just suddenly develop an attraction to children? Right. Or do you not? And you're like, I still got a son. What a nonsense thing to say. 86% mm-hmm. of Congress That's correct. belongs to NAMBLA. Mm-hmm. Stupid. Okay, what else? This is interesting. Bill Cosby's bad. I hadn't ever heard that. Might be the first sensible thing that was said in the start. <laughs> he tells us, you know, Bill Cosby, he used to be America's dad. <laughs> You know, we all used to love him. I'm like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember that. And I know where this show. is going. Do you really think people didn't know that, like, you know, he was an abuser? Or there was Jimmy Savile out of the UK, also a terrible pedophile. Yeah, and, you know, his victims came out later, but surely people knew about this and were covering up for him. Yeah, I'm sure that's all true. Yeah, he says, like, these were all kind of open secrets, and so the government was covering up for both of them. But here's the surprise twist, Ross. Okay. The cabal doesn't want us all to be happy because if we're all happy at the same time it will bring down the cabal oh so when they have insider information like this yes. like that caused oh, that's right rapist yes they save it they're like oh cha-ching and then yes. when happiness reaches an all-time high, they unleash this bad information and it gives us all loosh and loosh. loosh. <laughs> yes. And loosh is David Wilcox's word for like malaise, sad emptiness. Is that a word used by anyone else? I don't think so. Loosh. When we all have loosh, the cabal has power. So they saved up the revelation of Bill Cosby being a rapist as loosh bait. Wow. Okay. I, I remember him making this point later on too, because he said that if a majority of people were happy and laughing for even one day, the cabal would go away. First of all, how in some weird metaphysical way, like I think so. our laugh power, like in Monsters Inc., would right. accumulate and blow out their eardrums or something. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But then that's he- correct. He was saying this while he was making the point that you can't shoot Red Cross workers. They can't kill you if you are out there doing good. Right. And yet, in the same breath, he's telling us that the cabal, to make us sadder, got rid of people like Robin Williams and Whitney Houston and Chris Cornell and Michael Jackson. Who you would think were Red Cross workers. Exactly. So, wait, you're trying to have it both ways. Yeah, you just told us that they make us happy, and so they're doing good work, and Yet they were offed because they were, well, Red Cross workers, right? Right. So anyways, that- Very confusing. That didn't make any sense. Maybe you could make a case for MJ because he was accused of the pedophilia. Mm. But yeah, Robin Williams. Right. He was just walking around being Patch Adams, making us all laugh. I mean, he played a creepy guy in one hour photo. Sure. Now you're probably wondering what's the secret to defeating this cabal. Mm -hmm. It comes from the hourglass. No! When you look at an hourglass, you see all the sands in it and you think- A single grain of sand couldn't possibly be the one that turns it from an hour being incomplete to an hour being complete. But And yet, one of the sands does it. That's not what I think when I look at it. That's what you think! An hourglass. Yes, but chaos theory tells us that it is possible. Yes, because (laughs) you're making big eyes at me. Sure, let's bring in chaos theory. Because chaos theory tells us that once you put a bunch of pressure on a system, you don't know which thing is going to move next. Yes, well, there you are. So we all put pressure on the cabal, and at some point it will topple. Very good. David Wilcock. Any questions? Yeah, one question. You just told us that we could take down the cabal just by being happy and laughing for one day. That sounds a lot easier than what you're recommending right now. Ross, is it? Yes, I'm Ross. David dealt with that in his talk. I'm going to bring my voice down. (laughs) David dealt with that in his talk. Um, He said, now you might be thinking, well, David, why don't you just organize group meditations where everybody is happy all day if we can really do this happiness thing? Mm -hmm. Because he also said that group meditations bring down crime by like 70 something percent. And he was like, that's science. That's been documented. So he said, maybe you're thinking I should just organize group meditations. I'm thinking that. Come on. Like, that's the lazy thing to do. No, that's the effective (laughs) thing to do. You just told me. The real way is to do it every single day, to live this life every day. Not to be like a Sunday Christian who shows up for the one day meditation. 
Which, by the way, he's totally now just shitting on people who are walking around handing out flyers for these day-long meditations. Meditations, right. get people to go to. And that's not what we're saying at all. We're saying, let's just all get together one day, destroy the cabal, cool. One time. Yeah, get that out of the way, and then we'll go on being rays of sunshine or whatever you want us to be. Right. No, he doesn't say But you know what? That. I would say if we all got together and made the cabal go away, it would probably look and feel exactly the same as it does <laughs> right now. Because as Philip K. Dick said, reality is that which, when you stop believing in it, doesn't Doesn't go go away. away. My favorite quote. Your favorite quote. That is my favorite quote. Wow. My favorite quote is, service is the jewel. (laughs) In the rock (laughs) rock of of attainment. attainment. (laughs) That's number two, for sure. But here's some good news. The cabal can't cause economic collapse. Thank God. Then he went on for a five-minute rant about how they did collapse France once. But that was different (laughs) because they didn't have the internet then. (laughs) Okay, whatever, sure. But then we hear about how he loves Donald Trump. Yes, he's a big fan of Donald Trump. I mean, he'll call him a narcissist and a bumbler, but then he'll turn right around and say that he's incredibly useful and effective. Right. So he says, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I'm not a Trump hater either. But then like goes on to mostly sing his praises. Mm -hmm. And this audience, they're into it. They hate Hillary and they are pro-Trump. Yeah. That was crazy. Which Which, is interesting. They're so, yeah, they're like these hippie love people. Hillary is so pro-disclosure. Right. You'd think so backwards. Gal. It's very confusing. But I don't know. Then there were other people who would say things about Clinton and Podesta that were like kind of pro them because of the disclosure thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, one of my favorite things. Sometimes Davy Pooh can't open his email attachments. And that's because the government doesn't want him to read the truth. Do you still use AOL? Really? You think they're just reading everything that you write and do and just selectively stopping certain attachments? Yeah. Because, you know, um, all of my oldest relatives also have this problem. <laughs> he was also complaining because Gaia was the first on the list of 200 fake news sites when they started. And a lot of his stuff is on Gaia. Oh, yeah. That's like he primarily writes for it. They were there, by the way. They had a tent. And they were hiring. Yes, they're hiring a 3D animator if you're interested. Ooh, yeah. I was trying to convince Carrie to maybe become a journalist for Gaia.com. <laughs> I did walk up and talk to them because they were hiring like 30 positions or yeah, something. Yeah, and they're based and- in Colorado. And I said, whoa, you must have just gotten a big influx of money. And the guy was like, know we're ambitious and i looked at it and i'm like well this is like 30 positions this is like half a million dollars in salary either you're not gonna pay people yeah i hope that's not just you have a big influx of money and he said well you know we have a lot of members and i was like a lot of new members and he was Mm -hmm. like well you know we're ambitious and he just kept saying that and i was like okay another thing david was talking about was monetization on youtube and so he puts all these videos on youtube and he's saying that there's this whole adpocalypse thing and they won't let people who speak the truth get their ad Yeah, what? He said, oh, that's why I don't monetize my ads because I'm not willing to sell out for a penny a click. And everybody gave him this huge round of applause like, oh, yeah, you're so awesome. You don't sell out. You're the best. And also, apparently, the Illuminati asked him once to promote Lucifer in a show and he said no. (laughs) Like, what? Tell me more. Yeah, was that an email you received? (laughs) Did they call you up? Hi, this is Al. (laughs) Al Illuminati. (laughs) Yeah, this is Cindy. Uh, I'm a part of the Illuminati, and um, we would really like it if you could promote Lucifer. Oh, my God. He'd be so easy to prank call, and you'd be in all of his talks from then on. I am from the Illuminati, (laughs) and I want to pay you to worship Lucifer. In your YouTube. (laughs) I have here two million U.S. money dollars. I refuse. (laughs) What would be even greater if he was like, yeah, I'm down. (laughs) Two million dollars? <laughs> yeah, he kept talking about how there's been attempted bribery. Millions of dollars, oh, he millions. referred to. Mm. And he said, I'd rather die than sell out. And everybody to the applied. the fucking Illuminati dropped an F on there. We joined in too. We, we applauded him. Oh yeah, we yeah. love getting into it. <laughs> Ross, that's all very well and interesting. But you know what else is interesting? I would say off the top of my head, Rover.com. Exactly. Dogs in general. And did you know that support for Ono, Ross, and Carrie comes in part from Rover? It's the nation's largest network of five-star pet sitters and dog walkers. Through Rover, pet parents can discover, book, and manage personalized care for their dogs, including pet sitting, dog walking, in-home dog boarding, and doggy daycare. Pretty cool. And Rover offers access to reviewed, trusted pet sitters and dog walkers for every dog, owner, and lifestyle. They're all approved 
pet sitters. Yes. There's some vetting going on here. But not vetting, mm. like dog vetting. <laughs> Although you should take your dog to the vet. You also get free in-person meet and greets and home environment visits to find the perfect match between sitters, owners, and pets. Yeah, that's pretty neat. So you, they make sure that you've met your dog walker beforehand and you're not just like, here's my dog, take my dog, I just trust you, stranger. <laughs> right, it's a really good idea. Now you can also get $25 off your first booking by visiting rover.com slash Oh no. That's O-H-N-O. And use our promo code. What's that, Ross? Oh, no. O-H-N-O during checkout. That's rover.com slash oh, no. And promo code oh, no for $25 off your first booking. And I mean, who knows? Carrie might show up at your door to walk your dog. Because I did download this app because I was like, I want an excuse to walk strangers' dogs. I would say particularly Unrack listeners who also listen to Can I Pet Your Dog would be... Obvious audience for this particular Absolutely. service. What if I show up with Renee Colvert and Allegra Ringo and we say, Can I walk your dog? It's worth signing up just for that possibility. Exactly. So again, that's rover.com slash oh no. Oh, he did a great Alex Jones impression here. He really did. He can do Alex Jones like nobody else I've heard. That was pretty impressive. So he's kind of on the fence about Alex Jones. I feel like Jones might be his competitor, to be fair. Absolutely. But but he says Jones talks too fast Mm -hmm. and doesn't cite his sources. (laughs) Yeah, we got a good laugh out of that. Doesn't cite his sources. David Wilcox. But he's mostly telling the truth. Then he goes back to Trump. He says, you know, I don't want to be the guy endorsing The Apprentice, but Trump has taken on the media in a way no one else has. And there's this huge applause. Hey, did you know that Pendragon or Penis of the Dragon is the highest order of the Illuminati? I did not. Now you know. Mm, And do I? Hey, Ross. Yes? Trutherism became mainstream and trutherism Frickin' won the U.S. presidential election. Woo! Woo! Now, Ross, I have a question for you. Okay. Why did Trump fire Comey? That would be because of his handling of Pizzagate. Because he didn't prosecute the people involved in Pizzagate. Now, mind you, Trump has no problem saying anything. Mm-hmm. And he did not say that. Mm-hmm. No one said that. But David sure feels that's the truth. Yeah. So it's not quite clear whether Trump is trying to take down the cabal. I got that impression here. He even mentioned that Bernie had a better chance of winning. And someone near us yelled, that's right. <laughs> yeah, there was one guy like a few rows behind us who was definitely on board with all of David's political leanings. It was about this time that the best thing happened. <laughs> I think I know what it is. Someone from the audience gets up and shouts, look, everyone. There's something in the sky. And then multiple people are yelling it and they're all pointing out at a light in the sky. Something, yeah. Yeah, so there's this squiggly bit of light and it's changing shapes. And Seeing something out It's there. moving around in the air. You can tell it's definitely moving. Yeah. It's far away. And he's like, what, what? And someone's like, there is something, David. There is something. So a bunch of people get out of their seats and they run over. Including me. Including you. I pull out my phone and start videographing this. And David Wilcock, to his credit, he glances there. Uh-huh. And then says, come on, guys, it's just a plastic bag. You're making us look bad. <laughs> it's not a UFO. Which indeed it appears to be. Yeah, I think he was probably right on with that one. Although it was really big. If it was a plastic bag, it seems really big. But yeah, it was it was some floating non-manned object mm-hmm. that was like flotsam and jetsaming through the air as if, you know, not controlled by anything. So he kept going, but people stayed out there. They were videotaping it. They, they were, were talking excited. about it. Oh, yeah. They definitely. were like, screw our leader. And I got to say, yeah, it looks like the sort of thing that you would normally describe as a UFO. We'll put that video on YouTube and on our Facebook. That is one of the best things, Ross, but I thought you were going to say that is also about the time that someone was smoking pot near the stage and the smell wafted up near David and he was like, ooh, someone is having their medical needs met out there. Oh, there was so much pot smoked at this conference. That's also when David developed his favorite metaphor. He Uh was like, yeah, you know, pass that joint around, pass that Wilcock joint around, referencing his own last name. Uh And he's like, my truth has 30 THC in it, which I guess is a lot of THC. Neither of us knows. I don't know. I haven't smoked. Oh, yeah, yeah. We don't know. But he was also playing dumb like, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Yeah, he's like, I mean, I haven't smoked in 25 years, but, you know, uh, used to, and uh, I think that's a high THC. We're both like, that was very specific. It's very clear you know a lot about marijuana, sir. (laughs) And for the rest of this conference, he keeps making little mentions of putting that Wilcock. Took that Wilcock joint. (laughs) 
It'll blow your mind. Put that Wilcock in your mouth. <laughs> Doesn't sound quite right. He talks about his own ego and making money, and he just says, well, look, you know, to get the word out there, you kind of have to have a bit of an ego and uh, make a lot of money. Yeah, you got to make this your job, man. Oh, yeah. Here's a direct quote that I was able to get down. I'm like a master pimp. Kiss the ring of information addiction. I have the purple robe, the feathers, the hat. I am your mama. I'm your daddy. <laughs> and I wrote down, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, why did he run with that? <laughs> he also told us that skeptics have a drug addiction to the high of finding things wrong. Mm -hmm. He asked us if we wanted to spend 25,000 years throwing up with diarrhea. I do. <laughs> Well, why was Some he asking? Questions don't need yeah, why, <laughs> why was he asking us that again? I don't know. I, I, I think that's when he was exhorting us to be nice and kind and considerate and brave. Yeah, this is what happens with all these talks. Like around the ends, they're like, I'll, I'll just end up with some like hippy dippy point that no one can disagree with. Yeah. Be kind. So that's when he started telling us to remove ourselves from the negative voices in our lives and totally change the tone of his talk. Now I'm just going to give you nice practical life advice for not being harmed by those around you and loving yourself. Yeah. And he made that 15 minutes where it needed to be one minute. Right. And the sentiment was so double-edged. He said, you know, if you have someone who's just always making you feel guilty, always making you feel on the defensive, always making you feel like you're the one who's wrong, like, just cut the cord. Just decide whether they're right or wrong. Like, this relationship isn't working. I shouldn't always be on my back heels, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Good cool. advice. Yeah. But then he says, I mean, I've learned this more than anybody. It kept happening to me over and over dozens of times. And I'm like, okay, hang on. That sounds like you're the problem. Right. <laughs> like if over The common denominator is, in this situation. You, sir. <laughs> if people keep telling you, keep giving you the feedback that you're hurting maybe your you feelings or whatever. Maybe you need to change something. Yeah, maybe it's you. But at least he has love for all of us, even if we're wrinkly and we're 350 pounds. Oh, yeah. I wish he hadn't put an actual poundage on there. Mm -hmm. I was immediately like, oh, no, someone here 350 pounds exactly. And they're going to be like, why was I used just the standard? Right. Or they were 349 and they're like, Phew. But yeah, he reiterated that the solar flash is going to happen. Didn't happen at the end of 2012, but it will give us new ascended bodies. What was the term he used? Golden light bodies. Oh, good. Oh my goodness. This is no different than Jesus returning. This is your oh, right. alien eschatology. Crazy. It's that Jesus opting again. Christ opting. Also, Ross, did you know that we all have light bodies? When you sit in a chair, your light body remains for 30 days. So some of us is still at contact in the desert. Yeah, I think he told us that science has proven that. Science has proven at the end. Cool. Also, if you put placenta cells in a jar and get mad at them, they wither and die. But if you love the placenta, it will grow. This is scientifically proven. End of talk. That's not even the Emoto experiment. Mm -mm. Also, this would be very bad for tumors. Yeah, no, I'm still hung up on this light body thing. So... <laughs> So I leave, but there are still photons being emitted from where I was. That's correct. For 30 days. That's correct. Cool. It's been scientifically proven. I'm sure that's all true. <laughs> We've adopted this as our new catchphrase. Back from the day when, uh, well, yeah, this was even before the podcast started. Mm -hmm. I went to Aurelian meditation and baptism with our friend Spencer. And He's in our Aurelian episodes. Yeah. Which if you haven't heard, you should, but they're another UFO group. So we're out in this park and this guy has lost his keys and he's looking around for them. And so I go and I'm helping put my hand down, go for holes and trying to find his keys. And he said, hey, I was wondering what's going on here. So I told him about this meditation thing with and I trying to contact aliens yeah so. I tried to briefly describe the whole Raelian movement for them and trying to make sure I'm kind of out of earshot and so he listens to my whole description he smiles and nods and he says well I'm sure it's all true <laughs> which I thought was just the most brilliant thing to say because it was very sweet but at the same time it just kind of crashed my whole <laughs> ego down I don't know like I immediately yeah. felt so embarrassed like I wanted to chase him down the street and be like no no I don't I don't really believe that though about the aliens and like Jupiter and stuff so I love oh, that phrase boy. now I'm sure it's I'm all sure true it's all true yeah so we say that to each other sometimes <laughs> so that was the end of our first encounter with David Wilcock
And then we were given a very special gift. Oh, yes. We met a friend of yours. Yep. Two two friends of mine. They gave us a very cool gift. Yeah, VIP passes. We now had access to all of these paid workshops that we didn't have access to before. They were going to be like $40 extra for every workshop. And right. so we just thought like if while we're there, if something really strikes our fancy, maybe we'll go. But then we got these sweet VIP passes. And certainly there was no shortage of content, but we'll tell you next time somewhere I I got to go with the VIP pass. All that and more in our next episode of Contact in the Desert. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our producer and co-editor is Ian Kramer. You can find pictures and videos and all sorts of supplementary material at facebook.com slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C. Like the thing. Hear from the thing. Interact with the thing. Click the stuff. See the things. Exactly. I couldn't have put it better. (laughs) We post all kinds of really cool uh, stuff there. Yeah, yeah, things. Exactly. Check them out. You can also find us on iTunes and give us a positive review there. You can also support this and all our investigations at MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Thank you to all of our donors. Yeah, thank you big time. And remember. Whoa. Just because the big event did not happen at the end of 2012 doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. What we're hearing from Pete Peterson, and from Corey Good, and from all these other insider sources like William Tompkins and Jacob and this other guy, Bruce, and everybody I can think of, they're all saying the solar flash is still going to happen. It just didn't happen at the end of 2012. The solar flash is where the sun releases this very, very bright energy that transfigures us into the new body, the golden body, the light body. I want you to be ready for that. There is an I told you so party after the ascension, and I expect you to be there, and I'm going to hug you when we get there. (laughs) Creativity, comedy, and friendship. All these things and more are waiting for you at Max FunCon East at the maybe haunted Pocono Manor, September 1st through 3rd. We only have a few tickets left and they're on sale right now. So head on over to maxfuncon.com to buy your tickets. Don't miss out. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.